Welcome to Share the Bytes, episode 20, our Factorio review. Hey, Corey, welcome back. Hi, Ian. How are you today? I'm doing super fantastic. I hear you've got a pretty interesting game for us to review today. Yeah, it's called Factorio. Um, have you heard of it before? No, I haven't. And I think this is going to be interesting because this is our first game review. Nice. <laughs> On the Linux. Yeah. You can't see me now. I got the fingers up. Nice. <laughs> okay, so let's get started. So you said Factorio. Mm -hmm. You said it's on Linux. Yes. So where do we start with this? Do we start with why you chose it? Because it works on Linux? Does it look like fun? Well, um, yeah, both of them. I actually got into Factorio because a friend of mine was actually playing it. Um, and this was probably three or four years ago. So you can uh, see how long it's been around. Um, uh, FYI, it's actually still in beta. Um, so to get Factorio, you go on Steam, you type in Factorio, and you can purchase it now. It's supposed to come out in like August with a version 1.0 release. They've done a lot of work to make this a very fun game. Um, Fantastic. And was it, it, was it made yeah. available for Linux since the beginning? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's one of the reasons why I really like Steam is they've worked, like the whole Valve Corporation has worked really hard to integrate Linux into their platform and the games that they include. Um, and uh, like, for example, when they started doing that, that I actually had, they hired a whole team of Linux people to help convert their Half-Life series, all of their Half-Life, anything by Half-Life or, or uh, Portal or all that to the Steam or to the Linux platform. And then they have their own hardware and peripherals that have gone well with that. So um, Steam Link and stuff like that. They've, They've created a very much more friendly ecosystem. And the nice part about that ecosystem, too, is um, while they do have some compatibility with AAA uh, titles, it depends upon the publisher itself. Like, for example, Civ 6 is actually available on Steam um, for all three platforms, Apple, Mac, and Windows, or Apple, Linux, and Windows. And... Uh, and, but that's not something that Steam required them to have. Um, poof, just like that. It's great. Um, oh, so you have you have access to a, a good gamut. Not only that, though, you also have smaller games, small published games like Factorio, who are either completed or are in the process of being completed, um, that you can participate and enjoy and see how it has come along. Very cool. So you said a friend introduced you to this game. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little about what the game is about? So um, initially, the game didn't have much of a plot line. Um, but what came out of it uh, was that you are some imaginary super techno race person, but your ship has crash landed on this barren planet. And the goal is to construct from the coal, the iron, the copper, the stone, eventually petroleum, and eventually uh, uranium, 
to mine and process all of these from scratch into a working rocket ship so you can take off. Now, the cool part about this game is it's totally environmentally unfriendly. So everything that you use, all your machines, uh, all your processing facilities, produce pollution, which slowly works on the environment. So you can play the game, and you'll have nice lush trees, and then after a while, they'll start going brown. And there's actually a map you can pull up that shows your pollution grid, how that's spreading from machines. But the other thing about it, too, is there's actually a very aggressive local bug-like species that um, get more and more active the more pollution there is, too. So when you start the game, you're like, oh, I'll just make some coal, and then I'll make some iron, and then I'll make this other thing. And you're going along, and then after a while, there's enough pollution that they start multiplying. So you have to do two things. You have to build your base out such that you can get to your goal of getting off this planet, but you also have to defend it. And um, like your machines that you're evolving and making better and following the tech tree, basically, you uh, the the size and power of the like six or seven varieties of bugs also increases. So you're playing this balancing game of defend the fort, make the fort better, improve your tech tree, etc. Um, all the way up through there, I think. Uh, I'm up to about 700 hours on this one game, uh, version 0.17 of the game. And I'm still not done yet, but that's also partially because I invested a lot of time into making an atomic bomb as opposed to trying to finish the <laughs> game out. That was I could make the bomb or I could make the rocket ship. I could research either one of those. And I was like, well, I want to see what blowing stuff up. Yeah. Like. So it seems like it has a pretty large scope and has that scope been available since the beginning or have the developers iterated the features of the game? Hmm. So a lot of the features that I'm aware of that have evolved since its beginning are not necessarily the base style of the game, but the means by which you can go about it. So early on, all, all you would have is, I just built this thing, because your character can build some basic stuff, and then you use that stuff to cause that to build other things. So you build little factory units that make things faster, so you're not spending all your time processing stuff yourself. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff you can't do yourself either. Um, so you have to build these other things in order to do them. Um, what has evolved is, uh, for example, there's actually now a blueprint system. So um, before, uh, and this is this is well before I really got into it, uh, there was a certain point where you just had to make everything and then you had to manually put everything down one thing at a time to get that out, and there was no automation. And now you can do like copy and paste commands. You can take a structure of buildings and, and electrical and, and piping that you all like, and you can actually import that into a blueprint book, and then you can just paste that same thing down over and over again. So automation of the automation is how that has come together um there's uh there's a lot of tools for seeing um so you use turrets for protecting your walls which you also have to build up and you can look at those on the map you can see your overlay of uh your electrical grid um i don't know when they put it in but there is there's basically three levels of uh, construction 
means or uh, of automation. There's using belts, which are which are, everyone you just get belts. Belts are really easy to make. They're little yellow ones, and they just move two rows of stuff around in a direction. And then you have trains, which can move a lot of stuff very quickly, but you need to have like um, lighting control systems in order to keep them from running into each other or crashing mm-hmm. or just not going where they're supposed to go. Um, and then there's robots. Uh, they're all flying robots, and they're logistical. So they can you can have things spread out throughout your map, and as long as they're connected over the logistics network and you program it right, uh, programming not in the sense of like typing something out, but you set up your, hey, I need this here, and I need to get it from here um, so that it's nice and simple and clear. Things can then be moved back and forth. It's not fast, but it's incredibly flexible. Um, so uh, if, if, if you didn't know, the game is basically automation pornography um, is, is the quickest way I can put it. You're... you're you're starting out with trying to figure out the fastest, the most efficient way to do the thing you need to do with the resources you have at that particular moment as you build and grow it. Um, it's uh, like, and, and the wonderful part about the game too is that it scales real nice. So if you have a kid, for example, um, it, you can play it at the level of Minecraft where you're just going around the building stuff. Like it does actually have a uh, sandbox environment. You just build stuff and follow the tech tree, or you can have the tech tree already created, what filled out and stuff. Um, or you can get really neurotic, and you can create an Excel sheet, and you can figure out the ratios of this device that creates it at this speed with these additions to it. And uh, like for example, I stole a blueprint off the internet that takes solar panels and uh, what are essentially capacitors and gets the right ratio of solar panels to capacitors such that the amount of power you generate and save in those is also enough that it works for overnight. So it's like a one-to-one, I have enough power overnight from this number of things, but it's like this huge square of solar panels and capacitors. So So it sounds like the developers put some real thought into this. And yeah. from what it sounds like, it wasn't easy uh, to come up with this, uh, these mechanics. Yeah, I I uh, I haven't noticed any like I've been on version zero point one seven for the last three or four months now, um, and I think I started a game in zero point one six, um, and and I haven't noticed anything big except for a lot of their major stuff has been making the the user interface actually homogenous. Mm-hmm. So you're not having to relearn different things depending on what you're doing. It's like, oh yeah, no, you always do it this way no matter what the thing is. Um, they have a very active blog. So um, are they uh, taking in user feedback? Uh, you know, I don't know. As far as I know, they should be there. They are very active. Um, I don't spend much time on the forums just because it's more fun to play the game. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah. You, but you mentioned a blog, and I know we had talked about previously that they actually have a very interesting story about mm-hmm. you know hitting a creative wall. You want to tell us about that? Yeah. So the the main developer, who's last, or at least his online name is Coverex which they also named a um, enrichment, like at a certain point in the game, you get to start working with uranium, but you only get uranium 238, one out of like a thousand 235s. 
And so you can run it through what's called the Coverex process to enrich that, to get that out. So they named that process after him. Um, his second most recent blog post uh, at the time of this, uh, Friday Facts number 356, he was actually talking about hitting a wall because he's been working on this since, oh, geez, five or six years now. Um, and uh, he was just so done with it and he took a three month a three week that turned into a three month period off um and when he finally came back to it it, it was his son who uh you know he, he loaded up the game and, and taught his son how to start it and then just left him to play it and then the kid gave him feedback on some things like oh well why do we have to see all the things in the tech tree that we can't even get to anyway um, why not hide that? And he's like, oh, well, that'd be a good idea. And so he went in and he made that change. And then he discovered that he was like, oh, yeah, I'm making a change that I really like to do. Um, and at the end of this article, I believe somewhere, he was talking about, I just really discovered the re rediscovered the reason why I got into this because I'm not making it to make money or to to make it for a game that other people will like. I'm making it because I like to make this kind of game. Um, and so it's not a, screw you, this is our game, we're going to do it however we want to. It's like, this is our game, and this is what we're doing with it, and we hope you like it, but it's not the end of the world if you don't. Um, so it's a very uh, unbiased, I guess, reason, uh, or, or, or a very simple reason to be doing something, especially to spend five years of your life working on, yeah. um, as I'm assuming his primary uh, source of computer work. But I don't know. I'd have to dig into him a little yeah. more. Well, it sounds like they've, again, they've put a lot of passion into this and it really shows and they're communicating that to their users, which is fantastic because yeah, I think that the best games are the ones where the developers enjoy what they're doing. And yeah. you get to see that passion, that love for making great games in the game itself. Yeah. Yeah. So we have Factorio. You download it from Steam. It runs on uh, Windows, Mac, and Linux. Right. Can you tell us a little bit about the experience of running it on Linux? Because as we kind of talked about in our previous episode, gaming in Linux you know, can be hit or miss. Mm -hmm. Is this one of the hits or one of the misses with... Uh, gaming and Linux, would you say? So one of the biggest problems with gaming and Linux specifically, and I'm going to stretch that out to a lot of things about Linux, is that because there is no one Linux, like there's Fedora and there's Ubuntu and there's Debian and then there's all their children for thousands and thousands and thousands of disk and images on the internet. And each one works a little bit different depending upon who did it. Um, when Steam and a lot of companies started adding support to Linux, they had to pick a distro that was popular so that it was easy to support. And they went with Ubuntu. So for the most part, my experience with Linux gaming in general has worked well because Linux Mint is a derivative of Ubuntu, done slightly different, but the back end is basically the same animal. Um, they pull all the same packages. They just have a large customization of the interface and some of the scripting. Um, 
which the Steam client and everything else doesn't have to work with. Um, the most consistently annoying part is video drivers. Um, and this time I didn't try and install the NVIDIA graphics driver. Um, uh, I just went with the generic open source one that came with it. And for simple games like this, and if I didn't say it uh, earlier, Factorio is also a top-down view game. No 3D graphics. It's all, um, like, better than old school, but not, like, oh, HDR, blah. Um, but it's all 2D graphics. So it's not something that's overly complicated to run. Um, I have had a lot of problems running other games with and without official drivers in Linux. So speaking in general, unless you, if you really want a game on Linux, look at the specific distro that your game requires and install that one and then work your way up from there. Um, but with Factorio, you said it's mostly a sprite-based game. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a sprite-based game. Uh, and you said it runs very smoothly. So it's definitely something if you're running Linux and you want a fun game to try, as you said, you put in 700 yeah. hours. Yeah, I think I'm up to 700 hours. 700 on this hours game. that this is definitely a game to try. Yeah. Um, I have a solid state hard drive. I have 16 gigs of RAM in this laptop. I've got a Core i7 8th or 7th gen, I think. Um, and a NVIDIA slash Intel graphics card built into it. Um, and you can... The nifty part about Factorio is you can tell it to not just show the frames per second, but the updates per second. And an update is an overall going through the whole entire, I'm assuming, uh, table of things as they are and progressing them through their next step and whatever. Um, and I've gotten, the lowest I've gotten on this machine at 1080p is 45 frames per second. But there were a lot of stuff on the screen and I was zoomed way out. So um, if you keep it close and keep it tight, this is also a great game that doesn't require reflexes. Um, you, if something goes amiss, you just have to get there and you do a lot of walking or you take a train to go handle a problem. Um, but you're not trying to get, it's not a, it's not a first person shooter. Um, so I also don't need a beast of a graphics card to pull that off. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's the gr really good hardware for it. The only big advantage you'd have with something better is you wouldn't lose frames or updates on a better machine. So, well, that sounds great. And I think with that, we're going to end this review, but mm -hmm. you know, Factorio, we're going to include the link in our show notes on the blog, as well as, uh, a couple of other items, but I want to say thank you very much, Corey, for joining us and giving us a very in-depth review on Factorio. And I'm looking forward to our next game review. No problem, Ian. Thanks for having me. All right. See you later. Bye, guys.